Welcome to the Sports and Torts Podcast, your go-to podcast for entertaining conversations on sports, law, and business. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, here is your host, Joshua Stein. What's up, everybody? Whether you are in your car driving to work or going for a walk or however it is that you consume your media, thank you very much for spending the next hour with us. We have a super interesting episode today that I know you are all going to enjoy. Today, we're looking at football games and large sporting events through a different lens. We're looking at it through the environmental lens and what pro stadiums are doing to be more environmentally friendly. Joining us today are two very passionate and smart ladies who dedicate their time on promoting and advancing environmentally friendly programs and lifestyles. They were kind enough to include me on a recent tour they had of Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. For those of you that are from outside of Atlanta, it's a brand new state-of-the-art stadium built by Arthur Blank a few years ago where the Atlanta Falcons and the Atlanta United play. We learned a ton that day, and I just had to have them on this podcast to share not only what we learned, but just better ways to go about being environmentally friendly. So without further ado, welcome to my friends Jamie Moran and Bethany Machini. Girls, welcome. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having us. Super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have y'all here. Thanks for coming. We're at my house. Uh, It is Monday morning. We're drinking coffee. Um, I know that we usually drink, uh, I don't know, wine or things like that. I don't want to be boring. (laughs) But but listen, in addition to your environmental efforts, y'all are both busy moms. You've got afternoons full of dropping kids off at different events and I just can't have y'all driving around East Cobb all hopped up on, on, you know, Chardonnay or something like that, right? Trying to be responsible. <laughs> but you got plenty of street cred, Jamie. I know that, that, that you, uh, you know, you're involved in a lot of recycling bottles. And I know the bottles of wine is often what's picked up from you and Mark's house, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's why I started recycling glass. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, your street cred is safe here. But we're enjoying some coffee. I'm looking forward to having this conversation. So um, Bethany, let's start with you. Um, you know, want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself, um, your background, kind of how you're involved in, in some of these things we just mentioned. Yeah. So thanks again for having me. Really excited to be here talking about a, a really important topic. I live here in East Cobb, have four sons, and I met Jamie through being one of her first customers because I, too, drink maybe a little bit too much of that wine. So thank you, Jamie, for saving me from having to drive it to the recycle bin. Uh, For me, I'm not your typical uh, granola green environmentalist. I shave my armpits, and I don't love Tiva shoes. Uh, I sort of stumbled into this passion after living in Boston for a few years and realizing when we moved back to Georgia that um, we could live in such a more environmentally friendly way here in the South. We're far behind the way that we should be and could be living very easily. If you look at other places throughout the country, New England, Oregon, California, they're so much more advanced than us. And the United States as a whole, in fact, is is far behind a lot of other places around the world. And it was really eye-opening to realize that um, and be exposed to it through living in Boston. Got it. Now, one thing I noticed you didn't include in that great bio, by the way, which, which, which was very good, you didn't mention that you're a Jets fan. I, I am a Jets fan. <laughs> are, you, are you a proud Jets fan or are proud, there proud Jets fans? Proud to be. No shame in that. Yes. Uh, my husband has always been, grew up in Jersey, loving the Jets. And 
you know, we, we're, we're sticking through and through. So, so last week we did uh, the NFL preview show, very heavy on the Falcons. Of course, I'm a Falcons fan. We love the Jets because they're the one franchise that the Falcons feel they're ahead of. So, so we, we appreciate that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, don't, don't want to throw shade at you for, for being, you know, for, for the Jets. That's great. So Jamie, talk about, introduce yourself a little bit about your story. Yeah. So Jamie Moran lived here in the East Cobb area for um, four years, which is hard to believe. Um, have three boys, uh, one husband, one dog, and started um, this business, Cheers Recycling. Um, officially on paper January, but I've been doing it for longer than that. But um, pretty simple. I literally collect from households glass um, bottles and jars uh, and take it to the recycling center. There's no curbside glass recycling in Cobb County, which is um, very disappointing, but I couldn't I couldn't see all that glass go to waste um, over to the landfill. So it really happened during COVID and totally to talk about my street cred, I was uh, watching the news and realized the alcohol sales like skyrocketed, I don't know, 70% up or something. And it's like, holy cow, that's a lot of glass yes. going to the landfill. So we've been friends for, for since you moved to these like I said, yeah, four years right ago. Yeah, right from the beginning. Um, our kids all play sports together. Um, and, and your influence on us has, has really changed some of our habits living around the house. What is it that, that brought this passion to you? Something that you've always kind of been into? I don't think I've ever really asked you what, what the know. root of kind of um, your interests are. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I've had to think about it because I've had people ask me that before. And... Yes, it was just something born into me, I really do believe, because I remember being little, hanging out the car window, yelling at this guy, yelling, litterbug, litterbug, shame on you, when I saw him throw something out. Um, and, and I was, I remember, I was four or five years old. So I think it definitely is just something that was born in me, but to be fair, my um, dad, he's a state park officer, or was, he retired in Florida, so I literally, my first home was on a state park. And I think just being surrounded in nature and always being in the outdoors, had a big, played a big part in that. I love, I literally love nature. Um, I, I love being outside, love doing things outside. So, and then my mom, I think to couple that, um, was a little bit behind the time, but really, um, was probably a hippie at heart, but just missed the time frame a little bit, but was also very all natural, um, or tried to be. So I think those two combinations just led me to this path of wanting to preserve what we have. Very good. And you mentioned Cheers to Recycling, which is a company that you started and you literally go door to door and my door is one of those doors you go to um, and pick up glass because there's no other option, at least in our community, for right. places to go. Is that is that right? That is correct. Yeah. I try to keep it super simple. Um, you actually go mailbox to mailbox. I have people put the box, just a cardboard box full of their glass um, by their mailbox and I swing by with my trailer and, and throw it all in and then, um, haul it down to, to college park to a place called strategic material, which is a glass processor. Well, the passion's infectious. Um, and if I can embarrass you for a second, I think you're the first, you're the first guest on this podcast to put a PowerPoint together <laughs> for, for our discussion. Uh, yes. uh, I got it. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> like Jamie is on it. So I want to, I want to make sure we get through all of it because it's, it's so educational. It's so good. And uh, like I said, it's infectious. So, so good for you. Now, now, Bethany, your company, My Green Earth, am I saying that right? You are. Okay, talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so again, back to my experience living in Boston, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find a plastic bag anywhere. In fact, going to a shopping mall, if you don't bring your reusable bags, you pay 10 cents a bag. And so things like this are the societal norm in a lot of places. I wanted to, when we moved back to Georgia, bring that to become the societal norm here in our community. So I created the nonprofit My Green Earth, 
And we have um, three focus areas and ways to achieve this mission of making a sustainable Cobb County. Uh, one is through awareness campaigns, making sure people know that the simple things they do truly make an impact. Uh, another way approach for us is through community engagement and then through partnerships. Um, I, before making the decision to create the nonprofit, I ran some numbers and found that through individual things that we do, each one of us, from deciding to use a reusable cup instead of a plastic bottle, um, all of those add up over time to, if we were to make better choices, it would be the same as removing over 150,000 cars from the road for an entire year. Wow. And, and that was really an aha moment for me and a source of motivation that this, this needed to happen. So in terms of, of awareness, which I, th- I, mean, I don't want to put them in order, but you said awareness first. To me, I think that's probably the most important thing, just giving people the knowledge of what they can and should be doing and how, frankly, easy it is to do, mm-hmm. right? It's not hard. So what, what is like the steps that, that you're taking, and either one of you guys can answer this, but the, the steps taken to get someone like me, who's got a couple kids, who generates lots of waste. We're not going to use trash here as the word. Now we'll get to that in a minute, but who generates lots of waste. Like how do you get that message out to people to just take simple steps that can go a really long way? I think part of it is just showing, look, we're down to earth, busy people as well. We're, we're not like, like we said, the standard tree hugger. It is possible. And in fact, enjoyable to, to start on these, um, a change in habits. Uh, one thing we're doing, we have a climate and cocktails happy hour. So again, make it fun. Um, bringing, inviting the community to um, enjoy beverages and just ask questions. When is it and where? Uh, it's Tin Lizzie's at the Avenues of East Cobb on September 15th. See everybody there. Why not? Everybody loves Tin Lizzie's, tacos, cocktails. What's what's not to like about that, right? right. I will not have coffee there. <laughs> we'll be drinking coffee something there. else. <laughs> yeah, very good. How about you, Jamie? What do you think is a way to kind of get messaging out? I just feel like bringing it up in conversation, which is what makes me so excited to be here right now. Um, the more people talk about it, honestly, I think as you and I have had brief conversations and I've talked with Dana a lot and just friends in my inner circle, just ex- just exposing them to those very simple steps that you can take. It's we're not. I'm not out doing anything crazy, maybe other than driving the trailer for a glass. But most of the things I do are just in my own home that are very easy. And, and it's not, you don't have to go move a mountain. You just make small, uh, small steps, small changes. And I think just introducing those changes to people and letting him, them know that this is not, um, it's not anything that has to be out of the crazy norm. Right, right. All right. Now we're in the trust tree right here, right? We can, we can speak freely. Um, there's a lot of words that are, that are used in, um, you know, in, in these kind of discussions that I frankly use them and don't really know what I'm talking about and don't really have good definitions. I think a lot of people are like that too. Um, so I feel like I can talk about sports or the law or things and like kind of know all the ins and outs, but there's a lot of words that I'd love for y'all to kind of help at least me understand and people listening might help them too. Okay. okay. So like the word like sustainability, what, what does that really mean? You want to take that one, Bethany? Yes. Yeah, so sustainability in a traditional sense, you used to hear about it referring to uh, in a corporation focusing on their long-term financial viability, their financial sustainability. But more and more now, it refers to the environmental sustainability. And, and that means that our planet can be long-term viable, a, a comfortable place to live under the current status of living that we, you know, the, the comfort of living that we currently enjoy. So us 
us as, as the inhabitants of this planet taking steps to increase or prolong the sustainability of the lifestyle of the planet. Exactly. And, and then you would, you would, I guess, in any particular project, try to do your best to increase the sustainability so that on the, on the whole, it all adds up. I mean, is that kind of fair? Like if you do it on the, on was it macro or micro, I never know those things, but it all, it all kind of adds up. But the main goal, we have one planet, we want to be around for as long as possible. Exactly. Okay. Yes. The other word, Jamie, your turn, mm-hmm. um, zero waste. Okay. Well, and first I just want to back up and say that we, both of us, I know, especially me, um, I am a self-taught environmentalist. So I am not, I didn't go to school for this. I haven't taken courses on this. I have done um, hours and hours of research and reading and podcast listening and all of these things. So I just want to throw that out there before um, we start going into these definitions and don't hold me verbatim on them. Get some fact checker calling in like, exactly. Jamie Ransom, this that is was not incorrect. true. Um, and I also just try to put things in the terms that people are going to understand. Right. So, uh, so zero waste is um, basically your it's not that there's going to be no waste. It's that the waste that you do have has a place to go um, other than the landfill. So you've either, you can compost it and it can go back into its natural organic state um, or you can recycle it. And again, it can be reused um, in another form. So it's not that there's no waste. It's just that the, the waste that you have can be reused um, in some form. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not realistic to think a household's not going to generate some sort of waste. Exactly. It's what do we do with that to make sure that it's not, um, to lower that impact. To lower the impact. And so the other word that you use was compost. Mm-hmm. Bethany, I know that, that you've talked to me before about kind of how your family does that. We do. So, so um, first, kind of define what that is, um, the process, and then how you've implemented it in your home. Yeah. So composting, when you're doing it in your backyard, it's any organic waste that you create. When you're cutting up lettuce, the, the leftover head of the lettuce that you don't eat, instead of putting it in the trash can, you put it in the compost bin along with um, dried leaves. Anything organic goes into the compost bin. Um, my kids, actually, this is on their chore list along with taking out the trash. They know they have to take out the compost and spin it three times and add leaves. Uh, it, it's just become part of our normal routine. And then over the course of a, a few months, it turns into soil. And so we use that then in the garden, um, if the timing is right, or I just throw it around trees if, if the garden doesn't need any compost at the time. And so the idea is you're turning it back to the earth in some manner and then having it a new function. Exactly. Right. Now, Jamie, you have a, is it a fancy tool? It's a, a fancy, like, like I know that you do it and you, Mark bought you something. So he did. This is my mother's day present a few years ago and the giant hole that he had to dig to put it in, but it is what called, a guy. <laughs> um, it is called the digester. It looks like a giant green cone. I say giant, not giant, three feet, maybe tall. Um, you simply just unlock the top, put your, all your scraps, um, food waste, only um, fruits, veggies, whatnot, into it. And it literally, the enzymes, once the process starts, the natural enzymes start breaking down all of the material and it goes right back into the earth. So I took um, a little bit of the the cheap way out. I don't have the, it's not going to be back into soil that I can use for, you know, our tomato plants or whatever. Um, but it goes, it does go back into the earth in an, a natural and organic way. And I will say that the tree that's next to it is thriving. It looks amazing. I think it's reaping the benefits from that. Awesome. But the the importance of this is that it goes back to zero waste rather than throwing food into the landfill where it actually creates methane, emits methane, which is far more toxic than the, the carbon dioxide that's coming, you know, out of our cars. 
so by composting these materials, instead of sending them to the landfill, you're really making a significant impact on the environment. Love it. That's awesome. Okay. Last, last, last term. And this probably can be used lots of different ways, but when y'all talk about the grid, what, what is, what is meant by that? The grid, so the, the electricity, the way that electricity gets uh, from where it's generated to our homes. Uh, Georgia has surpri- surprisingly a large number of solar commercial solar grids throughout the state. We're one of the top solar producers. Um, rooftop solar can also be fed into the grid if you install the solar panels on your roof and you don't use the electricity, it goes into the grid for someone else to use and that becomes clean energy. So it's, yeah, so it's looking on the energy side, solar panels, lighting, whatever it is, trying to minimize that footprint a little right, bit? Right, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Got it. All right, so do y'all notice I was wearing green today, by the way? Uh, yeah. Notice that? Sure. Appreciate the support. <laughs> See, we all can do our thing. Okay. Um, all right, so this is all leading up to the the sports component of this um which is you know the way that uh these huge massive stadiums are doing their part in this whole process and steps they're affirmatively taking to um you know increase their sustainability and jamie i have seen you in the stands watching your kids hit home runs and score touchdowns and pitch and do all this great things and not saying that doesn't make you excited because it does (laughs) but watching you walk through mercedes-benz getting a tour of like what they're doing. I'm like, this is, this, she's into this. Like, like you said, you're like, like you're at Disney world. I, w- I was very excited. I was just so excited. I'm a visual learner. So for me to be there and see it and really understand the whole process and, and then just so excited by the steps that they're taking. It was just amazing. It's awesome. So let me frame this for, for people that are listening and we've got some pictures that are associated um, on, on social media with, with that trip, but y'all were kind enough to invite me with you to Mercedes-Benz, they are on the forefront of, you know, of, of taking positive steps in this space. And they gave us a tour and showed us all the things they were doing. And I'm as big a sports fan as, as they come. And I've been in that stadium tons and tons and tons of times. And I never knew really any of this. Right. And I never noticed any of this. Um, you walk in and they took us down in the, in the back and the bottom. And the quote that, that greets you is it says, um, we set out to build a venue that would not only exceed expectations, but also push the limits of what was possible in terms of stadium design, fan experience, and that word again, sustainability. And my takeaway was Arthur Blank, you know, when he built this how many years ago, like that was a big deal to him. Mm-hmm. And it was start at the top and he's, he's made sure that all the way down through his organization, they're taking that very seriously. Yes. And that had to happen. I think if it wasn't done at the top. It, none of that would have been possible. So cheers to him. Cheers to him. Yeah. And so um, I don't know the best way to do this other than just to kind of give you all the floor to kind of maybe walk through that tour. Um, I can interject when you want. Y'all can just kind of talk, like, like, like kind of walk through what we did, your takeaways. Because I think that the majority of people listening to this will have no idea all that goes on kind of behind the scenes. Yeah, definitely not. Um, well, first, let's just start with the fact that it's... Um, lead platinum certified and that means leadership in energy and environmental to design so there is the u.s green building council i believe that oversees this whole process um it's it's a very strenuous I actually looked into it a lot not to get too much into it but there's um seven categories that you get different points based on and um the mercedes-benz there's 110 possible points you have to have 80 or above to be platinum and they scored an 88 they, are, they were the first stadium, and as far as my research 
shows, the only one that I have found. There's some other stadiums that are gold or or just certified, but they're the first platinum certified. So again, this was this was a huge monumental challenge and they took it head on and it was awesome. And what you mean by that is there's a a a, a group that is charged with doing these certifications and putting these tests in place that are not affiliated with Mercedes-Benz. Not at all, right. And, and they're saying, we're going to basically test y'all on this. Yes. And they reach the highest score that you could get or the highest designation you could get. Yeah. Yeah. Out of 110, they got an 88. And that was in 2017 when they became certified. But I actually feel like, I don't know if they go back and like recertify, but I feel like they'd even be higher now just because some of the things he's been telling us, their, their waste has gone down. And so I, I would... I would, wouldn't be surprised if it was actually a higher score now. So, yeah, so we walk in, we get, um, we get checked in. Um, we see their, the first little compost bins, which immediately I got excited, um, and the a little cafe. And then we get down into the, the, the doors where other people, you know, you have to have the badge to get in. And there's this um, beautiful, in my eyes, uh, employee recycling center. And it was amazing. There's a company called TerraCycle that I'm, uh, just in love with, it's basically in short, a company that you can recycle hard to recycle materials. So if you think of, um, the batteries or beauty packaging that comes, all this stuff that we get women to put all over our faces, um, candy wrappers, coffee pods, office supplies, there's just a whole row against a wall of all of these different bins that you can put all of these different materials and they can all be, um, shipped into this company called TerraCycle. Yeah. And dumb they- question alert. Yeah. Is Ter- TerraCycle is a company, not a concept. It is a company. Okay. Correct. So, yes. I, so I think that I was mistaken in, in real time. I thought TerraCycle okay. was like a concept. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I could see that because there were several boxes all lined up there. So no, ter- I have TerraCycle bins in my home. Um, I'm, I'm doing this through the boys' school, collecting these materials. So um, let's say Colgate will sponsor a, um, their own TerraCycle program where you can ship in all your Colgate stuff for free and all those toothpaste containers get broken down back into pellets, whatever, and then reused into say a park bench or something. So Right. And so that goes back to the whole concept of circularity when or zero waste. When you buy something, think about the end of life of it. And TerraCycle is a front runner in this space, so innovative at creating something new out of things that we otherwise would be throwing away. So they had they have a cell phone recycling box, uh, sneakers. Um, then of course they have. Condoms. And was that for the employees to use? Right, like that's not for the fans to come. So they're 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 encouraging and promoting this within the employment internally. Right. Internally, mm-hmm. yes. So this is all that was all internally. Um, so that was beautiful to me. And then we went up into the actual um, stadium part. Yeah, it's, and it's cool being there when like nobody else is there. Yes. Right? <laughs> so we're walking around on the field up up top. The guy gave us a tour of kind of everything that went in, all the thought process that went into construction. So Bethany, you want to take kind of the next step? Yeah, it it was, like you said, so fun being there when it was empty and silent. There's the most amazing thing to me is not a single trash can in sight. Everything that gets handed to any person attending a game either goes to compost or it goes to recycle. There's, there's two options. They have simplified it for everybody attending those games. Uh, Bingo. Yeah. They've made it where it's, you don't have to think about it. And as a fan, you're not even, you don't even know you're doing it. That's right. Mm-hmm. right. Right. I mean, I I've eaten, is that a word? Eaten. Yeah. 
Sure. <laughs> and drinking. Is that a word? Drinking? <laughs> I, I've consumed plenty of stuff there. Um, and I throw it away where it tells me to throw it, but I don't even know that like those are my only two options. And to me, that, the thing you bring up, that was my biggest takeaway is that, that without even taking any steps to do it, every fan there, because of what's being provided to them is already in the recyclable form or a compost form, they're done. And, and so what this tells you as a, a, a fan of the games is that it's, it's important to Arthur Blanks. He invested significant amount of money to make this work. Um, and, and it's easy enough. So, uh, some takeaways, uh, you know, you could go home and, and do similar things in, you know, fairly, once you establish those habits in a fairly easy way. So does that mean that every container that your food is sold in, every cup that your, your drink is, is provided to you in is recyclable? Or compostable. Yeah, they they have all of their compostables picked up and brought to an industrial compost facility in Athens um, where it's turned into soil. And then they're actually getting some of that soil back. Now it's been long enough that they're um, get, reaping the benefits and using that in their garden. So on a Sunday afternoon, gates open, what, what do you say, three hours before the game time? Stay open an hour afterwards. So you've got like eight hours of humans consuming at a very high level. Lots of stuff. And that generates a lot of waste. Yes. <laughs> he never used the word trash when he talked about what was being generated. But that all has to go somewhere. And he took us down to the, to the bottom of the building where it all goes to. And that was a big thing for me. Like, talk about what y'all saw and what happens next. It, I love the one, I have a picture of it, so we'll try and put that out there, but uh, there was three signs, the landfill, the compost, the aluminum, the glass, whatever, and they all had smiley faces except for the landfill. And that had he a big frowny, frown he was, face. He was, he was frowning. And I, I love the visual. I love the fact that um, that's that's what they're trying to generate is that feeling of like, ooh, yeah, we don't want to do that. We These other things are good, and that's that's we want to stay away from that. So. Um, yeah, that was um, I, that was a light day, I think. So I think there was maybe eight people, um, workers down there, um, sorting through all of these compostable materials, putting them where they need to be in the recycling. Um, so it, I can't imagine the day after a game or the evening after a, a big event. Um, but again, it just gives so much props to the fact that they're willing to employ people specifically for that job. That those, is amazing to me. Those are those people's jobs. Yeah. I mean, that's what they were hired to do. Mm-hmm. And they were smiling and they were going about their business and they were doing their thing. And um, because I think as a fan, we just kind of leave Sunday at 4.30 and we just assume like all that stuff happened. But some, somebody's got to do it. And it's got to go somewhere. Yeah, and it's really this shift in mindset. Historically, we would throw things in a trash and it would go to the landfill. And that's where the work took place to, to do something with it, right? We have 15 years of land, landfill space left in the United States. Um, nobody wants a landfill in their backyard. So we're going to have to start putting less in it if, if we don't want to be overburdened by landfill space near us. Um, they're doing the work right there. On site, right. Uh, to the point of they work with, um, they have an aluminum company that they work with. Um, they have a, a glass company that they work with. They have, so they're really, it's not all their um, contamination rates are going to be extremely low, if any, really, just the, the, the process that they put in place. So the other thing that I took away, well, I took a lot of things away, but what, one thing that really stuck out to me is that um, the cans, the recyclable cans, mm-hmm. they were extracting those and putting them together to, to generate revenue to build houses for Habitat for Humanity. It's, so I think we say like 3 million cans or something. So I don't, yeah. I don't, is that right, that number? Yeah, it was 3 million so cans. So I, I don't know how long it takes to generate that that kind of amount of product, mm-hmm. 
But how smart is that to take something that was going to be done with, and, and you go and you, you sell it or however they, they generate the, the revenue from it and then they can buy houses from it. It's an amazing program. It's called Recycle for Good. It's through a company. Um, they It's Habitat for Humanity, Atlanta Mercedes-Benz, and um, Novellus, I think is the name of it. Um, so those three organizations have come together. Um, Novellus is the processor of the aluminum. So they buy it from um, AMB and then... A and B just gives all those proceeds straight to Habitat for Humanity. So it's in essentially three million cans it takes to build a new Habitat house. Um, and they've built three so far. And he said the process is definitely getting quicker and quicker just from the amount that they're... Yeah, so that. fast that by the time they're done building one Habitat house through these cans, they're ready, they have enough collected to build the next house. You talk about a shift of thinking, like how damn smart is that? It's amazing. Right? It really is. Um, just the, I mean, things like that really do blow my mind and think, goodness gracious, if, if everyone took those initiatives, gosh, what a difference that would make. Yeah. The other thing was the vendors that, that are dying to be in that, in that building, right? I mean, whatever it is they're selling, like, oh my gosh, can I be in there? Like the, the, the vendors have to be providing products that fit within you know, the framework that the, the, the Benz is putting in. I mean, the straw example was one that, that, that stuck out to me. So talk a little bit about that company and the straws they're making and how that became like, okay, now you're in Mercedes-Benz as a vendor. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It's, um, it's called Fade Straws. And they, uh, some straws, they, you know, they say they're compostable. But this legit, you can watch a video on YouTube, and I did, of course, <laughs> um, about how this thing just like disintegrates, um, not into microplastics, by the way. Um, it's back into an organic material that can then go, is safe to be in, in the ocean or in the water, or whatever it is. Um, so things like that, th those tiny little things that they have made those changes in the stadium are, are really remarkable. And again, as Bethany said, they really do make a huge impact. Um, there, there was something with the kegs too. Was there something with the Wicked Weed? Yeah, exactly right. So Wicked Weed is, is um, a brewery in North Carolina that I like. Um, I think Budweiser just bought them um, and they they're, they sell their beer there. And so I was asking him like, okay, so Wicked Weed, they got to be on board with all this. And he says, yeah. He says, what they do is they have their kegs wherever they locate them and they have some sort of a mechanism to just push the beer through the tap and up to the air, to the bar. And then the, the cups that are supplied by Mercedes-Benz, of course, are recyclable. And so it's really the, the process from the beer perspective is they just got to figure out a way to get it to the bar okay. and then the bar takes over from there. Yeah. So, you know, the days of like these clunky cans and bottles, like that's gone. Yeah. I mean, they were just so strategic in everything that they did. That was, that was the amazing. That's right. And, and the thing with the straws is like, you know, people like, Oh, the Starbucks straws and it gets cliche and that kind of stuff. But my point, and I think y'all's point was, it's just an example of the attention to detail yes. that something as small as that they're requiring their people to, to put it out there in a way that fits with their mission. Yeah. Um, so then, then we got to go down on the turf. That was fun. We got to be down on the, on the field. And then they told us a story about the recycled turf, which I thought was, again, mind-blowing and amazing. They didn't, they needed new turf. And y'all correct me if the story's wrong, but um, it's time to get new turf. And instead of just ripping it up and doing whatever you would do with that amount of turf, they researched all these different, a company that would take it, break it down, reuse the, what's sand and the pellets in the turf. Um, and then actually use the green, the grass, the like grass quote part, um, to break that down and to recycle it into some other material or use. There was just a lot going on with just this turf, which was, I thought was amazing. 
Yeah, yeah, they, they're continuing to innovate. They're not stopping at the initial build. Every day they're continuing to improve, and this is just a, a, a significant example of, um, you know, old school thinking would have tossed that into a landfill, but it can, it's so valuable to become something new. The actual playing of the event, the football, the soccer, sh- should be the most important thing. Being on the turf is the most important place to be. And so they're even taking steps to make sure that that is recyclable and that meets, their, you know, fits in their mission. And that was pretty cool for me because, yeah, you just assume they buy it from somewhere and they install it. And then after however many games or years or whatever, they buy new ones. But they're like, no, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to take the same approach. Um, and it's totally successful. Totally cool. Yeah. And then and then you look at the lighting. And that's what b- b- blew me away was how strategic they were in windows and making sure that it was lit properly. So talk yeah, about that. Yeah, so the field is full of people that are, are working in preparation for transitioning from, uh, you know, one type of game to the next. And um, there's almost no lights on because if you've been to a game there, you've seen that there's this giant window to the city. And it looks beautiful. You can see the Atlanta skyline through this window. But more importantly, it allows them to use far less electricity um, whenever there's daylight um, inside the stadium. They have also 4,000 solar panels on top of the building, and it produces enough power to, um, to power nine Falcons games. And um, so LED lighting everywhere, which, um, you know, if you don't already have LED in your house, you, you would notice a significant impact in your electricity bill. It uses 60% less energy and lasts 10 times longer. They had people that were turning the turf over from one event to the other. There was, I mean, dozens of people, would you say, yeah. more or less? Yeah. And there was not a single light turned on the entire building. Yeah, it was, that was awesome. And again, number one, the window is obviously very functional and was put there for a specific reason, but it also just looked beautiful. It just looks cool. It just looked, it yeah. just so well done. But it's a forward thinking, like when they, made, when, they, when they did the construction, they were obviously thinking about where to position what, what what side of the sky to face to get the optimal sunlight. And he said, yeah, all that was very deliberate and it's paying dividends now that they're not turning lights on on a Tuesday at noon when they're doing work. Right. So, and then the water too. Yes. So, um, their water conservation efforts are, are pretty big. They have two, if I remember correctly, two separate underground, almost like Olympic sized swimming pool type sized, um, water collection areas. One was from rainwater and one's from reclaimed water from inside. So they're recycling water internally and then they're gathering the water that they actually, I think, feed back into the Atlanta, the Atlanta city water, um, all from the storm water. So again, just lots of thought and we don't even see that. Um, that's all down somewhere where we didn't, I don't know, I guess there's access to it, but it's, um, down where we didn't get to see. So that's just a whole nother, huge aspect of this. So what does that do? What, what is what, like, like reusing or conserving, managing water, using it to power something else? Like what does that, how's that concept work? Do y'all know? I'm definitely not a water conservation expert. Um, I, I, I would assume one of, it, one of the important factors is that there, there's a lot of rain that falls on that roof with as big as it is. And, and if it were just to fall off onto the roof and into the surrounding communities, there would be flooding. So they're protecting the, the communities from that. They're also, they, they have um, landscaped certain uh, places to filter through any dirt and junk. So as it goes back into the water, water system, it's, it's cleaner. Yeah, it's not just coming through gutters and pooling up someplace. It's very deliberate where they're pushing it. Um, 
And, and then the other aspect of it was like, you mentioned the outside areas, you know, they, they positioned it to make sure there was transportation, alternate transportation methods around two, like within two MARTA stations, bike areas, electric vehicle, um, plug-ins like that's a big part of it too yeah two two marta stations within a quarter mile so you can easily ride marta and walk Mm -hmm. because i know like when lead does their analysis that's one thing too it's like is everybody driving cars down there is everybody parking or are we are we providing alternate means of transportation right and then they have i think he said 40 or 60 um electric charging stations which is a really good number um and then the bikes what do you find out bikes you can there's a bike valet a free bike valet (laughs) we're a big biking family what is a bike valet do so you can ride your bike up to the game and and they'll hold it safely for you up to 250 bikes they they can hold they even have a bike you know they'll cover your seat to make sure it stays nice and clean and (laughs) if you want to ride a skateboard they'll keep that for you too so as a biking family it would be maybe you could do it but but riding your bike from east cobb to downtown would be a difficult task we're not a bikeable city, certainly. So would would you consider driving somewhere kind of off property, pulling your bikes, parking, and driving over just for the experience? It would be a fun experience. I think that those are more practical to use for people that live perhaps live yeah. a little bit closer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just just curious about what your use would be. And I think the bigger the bigger thing is maybe because we live where we live, we don't get exposed to that as an option, but I never heard of that before. Right, I had never heard of it. I just think it's cool, and I might just do it for the experience. I think Drive I, from East I might take our Rivian with the bike racks on and and wheel our bike right on up to the front, just so just to say that I did it. So, and, so you mentioned the Rivian, and we just talked about the charging stations. You and Mark, um, a couple weeks ago, a month ago, yeah, a couple weeks ago. I think you are the first and only people I know that have the Rivian. So can we take a little detour and, and give the tail of the tape of what your experience has been thus yes. far? Yes. And I, I'm, Mark's probably going to listen to this and be like, oh my God, she didn't say this or she didn't say that. But um, Rivian, for those who don't know, um, brand new company, essentially just like a Tesla. Um, but we they just came out with their first electric truck, fully electric truck. Um, it's called the R1T. Yeah, R1T. We'll go, oh, we'll go with R1T. <laughs> um, so we got ours a few weeks ago. I knew my motivation, of course, from the very beginning, Mark said, hey, there's this new company. He actually, he follows stocks and probably found it through that. Um, there's this new company coming out. They have an electric truck. Me, I said absolutely yes right off the get-go because I just envisioned picking up on my glass <laughs> in an electric truck. What, you, what and, you're now doing. Exactly. And it made me so happy. I'm like, oh my gosh, no emissions. That's awesome. He, I don't think, had that same vision. But... <laughs> Um, He's like, this is this is cool. This is just the, the, cool. The new toy. It's gonna, and he does believe that this is the way the future's going, and this is uh, this change is coming. The electric car, um, especially if y'all heard in California this last week, um, the news of the electric vehicles. But yes, it's this this change is coming. He likes to get on the forefront of stuff. He stood in line. For the Apple ticket. iPhone. <laughs> yeah, he got the ticket of the Rivian, and he told me, he's, he sent me the, the um, article, and this is the concept, and it's going to be a year wait, and I just wasn't thinking in the mindset I can wait for a year. And then it goes by so fast, and then he's like, my truck's I'm like, damn it. Yeah. Like, you told she me, you told me, and I could have done it. It's, it's super Well, cool. after about three days of driving it, I said, okay, let's put in for the, for the SUV, yeah. because I really do, I have, I love it. I love, I mean, it's just, from a car, if you're a car person, it's just really So cool. what do you love about it? I mean, I know that's cool, and it looks neat, and it's new, but like, what do you, what do you functionally love about it? Um, the technology, I mean, I walk out in the morning, it, you have an app on your phone, you walk to the truck, the doors unlock, the car powers up, or the truck powers up, you get in, 
my music's playing, it's cooled off. Like it's just the technology aspect is so amazing, but I literally feel good driving around, like not putting emissions out there. The storage is awesome. Yeah. And you guys go to, the, you know, y'all travel a lot and you've got three boys and you right. got stuff and there's like all these secret compartments and there's like where the, the engine would be is a place to put stuff, a cooler. The, the frunk. There's the frunk. The That's frunk. where the engine, and it's still weird to look in there and not see an engine. Um, but you've got the frunk, you've got the st- a cargo storage area. Um, and then, and then of course the bed of the truck too. So in the front, there's a cooler, right? I mean, in the, it's in the back. I think back, if okay. you lift up some of the, the truck bed, there's a, a whole area. I think it's where the spare tire would be, but it's, yeah, you could have a whole cooler in there. All right. Well, you heard it here first yeah. this fall. We have the Rivian with bikes on top yeah. and team Moran headed, <laughs> headed downtown. Heading um, to the stadium. That's cool. That's, that's great. We'll, we'll enjoy. Um, Bethany, there was a garden outside of Mercedes-Benz too. There, there was a garden, yeah. We, um, and this is a semi-community garden. Some of it is within the, the fenced area and beautiful. Um, we, I actually had my first experience with a ground cherry, right. which is delicious. Um, and, and now I know that if you pull it right off of the plant, it's actually toxic. And I, I tried one of those. So... Now, if, if you're going for a ground cherry, eat it from the actual ground. That's where it gets its name. name. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so much there. The, there's tables that are, of course, made out of recycled plastic um, for people that work there to sit on. There's also fig trees and blueberry trees across the sidewalk for the community to walk by. It, yeah, it, it was growing out onto the street, and they're welcome to come by. And he said some people show up with, like, shopping bags and just start, start picking. And then he also was telling us how the chefs in the stadium – they use what grows in the garden and the food inside. All that mint. Remember, there was like a whole herb garden. Ugh, I just kept touching things. But Thirsty yes. for a mojito looking at it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so that's... Who knew that was there? Did y'all know that was there before? No. We parked right next to it in, in the Rivian before we walked in, and it, it was this beautiful space, but I didn't realize that it was a, a full-fledged vegetable garden that, that they used to um, provide food inside the facility. And he what he was saying is not only for like patrons at the sporting events, but like the employees internally can go down there during lunch and just, cause we were just picking tomatoes off and crush them right then and there. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like they encouraged that. Um, I will say I, I did actually talk to someone who works with um, the Falcons organization and just, it's like, give me the inside scoop of what's, what's it like working there? Have you noticed all these programs? Does it make you, you know, take any of this home or outside of the building? And, and he did say, he's like, we don't have trash cans and quote, you know, mm-hmm. at our desks, you, if you have waste, you got to figure out what to do what with to it. Do with it. Like, so it does make you think about it because there's not that option just to toss it into a typical trash can. Yeah. So it, it really, again, just goes back to the thought, um, and all that they're doing to bring that messaging. The other thing after, after that day, I know that you both y'all went home and did some Googling and some research and saw what other places that were doing. And there's some other cities in, around the country. I think Philadelphia's doing a pretty good job. San Francisco, not surprising, doing a good job. Um, you also found what, something called the Green Sports Alliance, which yes. I had not heard of before. No, um, yeah, I hadn't heard of that either. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk about what that, what that is. But, but I, I went around the website and what jumped off to me was the link to the national championship game last year mm-hmm. that UGA, of course, we won. Course. Go dogs, champs. Um, and they called that like the most econo- environmentally friendly college football game of all time or something. I mean, that's kind of yeah. me paraphrasing it, but yes. um, I was there <laughs> and I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So if you would, either one of y'all, um, Green Sports Alliance, kind of what is that? And then specifically, you know, how did that, that 
championship game that Georgia won. I'm going to remind everybody again. <laughs> um, you know, what did they do there that got them this notoriety? So, um, yes, I came across Green Sports Alliance, which really, again, jazzed me up, made me super excited to know that the sports, you know, industry is, is taking these, um, environmental steps and they do have a junior program too, which I'm also going to dive into personally for our local places. Um, but the GSA it's, it's basically to promote healthy, sustainable, um, events and, and live play. And there's, um, yeah, awards and all of these different things. And what you came across was specifically what they did for, for that playoff game. Their goal, um, in their words, quote, was to be a beacon of environmental wellness, um, equity and resiliency for Indianapolis and the college football fans everywhere. So they went into it and it had to have been years in the making now looking back and all the things that they've done. Um, so they had what they were calling green teams. They hand sorted and recovered like 117 tons of materials. So similar to so me and my friends that were out there, we're doing our thing. Is it the same idea where everything they served us was recyclable or somehow able to be handled similar to what the bins are doing? You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. And you, I don't know where, did you see, or do you even remember seeing like, you don't know, remember yeah. um, <laughs> why Josh, to why, uh, <laughs> but, but I will say that I was there and none of that stuck out to me, which I don't know if that's right. good or bad. Maybe it's good that they're doing this without in quote, inconveniencing Sing, people. Yeah. I'm doing the air quotes right now. Um, but it's, maybe it's bad that I'm, so like not clued in right, to, right. to notice that stuff. Yeah. So however they did it, it I know that it, I think they diverted about 80, 80% of all their waste from landfills. So I, I'm assuming they had special, you know, organizations and groups and volunteers, just massive amounts. They call these green teams out there, um, sorting all these materials. Um, from all of that, uh, 35,000 meals were actually donated to local food banks. We all know we've hosted events and you always order too much. Mm -hmm. And then unfortunately, a lot of it gets tossed. So that's really encouraging to hear that they didn't have that, that they were able to reuse that. Um, I think they worked with Habitat for Humanity, maybe in the same concept that Mercedes-Benz did. Um, 75,000 pounds of reusable goods were donated to Habitat um, to, in some way, support affordable home ownership. So maybe that was through the aluminum can program, something of that nature. Um, and then they did a lot to procure enough energy um, for the renewable energy credits to power, like I think it was 100% of the electricity needed to use the games um, through wind energy. So that's pretty amazing. So that's that's a good day all the way around. Yeah. Dogs win. Planet is 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 helped <laughs> a little bit. Uh, what what more do you want? You know. All right. Well, this is very neat, Jamie. We've talked for a while. Um, Bethany, me and you just met a couple weeks ago. But we've talked a while about how to kind of marry sports and and and, um, and the environment recycling. I think we've done a good job of that. The other thing I want to talk about, and Bethany, maybe you can speak to this, is like people people are listening. Things that they can be doing at home. You know. Um, you mentioned composting, but but just kind of like the way that we approach the, the the waste that we generate. And if you want to specifically talk about like Amazon boxes, because God knows they, they appear at, at my house. Shout out to Dana. Um, multiple times per, I used to say week, but now it's per day. So mm -hmm. um, like, like, like give people some ideas. Like what do you, what do you do with all this stuff? Start by realizing and having the confidence that every little thing you do makes a difference. This is a space of no judgment. Anything you do, um, from choosing one time a day to have one less plastic bottle to, to carry around your reusable, um, just do something. Recycling correctly. You talk about Amazon packages, 
used to be. I'm a recovering Amazon addict myself. Um, People recover from that stuff? We do. I save the boxes enough to fill with glass for Jamie. So we're doing that now too. Outside when y'all, I don't know if you came in the front of the side, but we have an Amazon box that now has our bottles. We won't... So there you go. Yeah, but the plastic, now Amazon is much better about intentionally thinking about end of life for their packaging. So the plastic bags, everybody, at least in our area, sees in front of the grocery stores, Publix, um, that you can bring your plastic bags. Well, that includes any stretchable plastic bag, like the Amazon packages that, that come that are made of plastic. Bring those to recycle. Publix turns them into other things. I know there's a lot of doubt out there. Um, So not only having confidence in yourself, but having confidence in the system. These do end up becoming something else. Yeah. I I will say, just to interject, because I hear this a lot, is I don't even think they're doing the recycling. I think they take my recycling and go put it in the dump. Well, if they are doing that, you, I mean, they would be in massive trouble. And maybe some of the smaller carriers are doing that like occasionally, but I've, I've literally gone to what they call the MRF, the material recovery facility. I've met with the gentleman there a, a couple times. Um, these companies are, they're taking the recyclables where they're supposed to be. I've been in there. You have to wear a hard hat and there's conveyor belts all over this giant, like warehouse type looking building. Um, there's people up there sorting all these materials. So they're doing it. We have to do our part to do it right. And I think wish cycling in quotes is probably the biggest culprit of what breaks the system. And that's when you say, well, I don't really know if this is recyclable, but I'm just going to throw it in there and hope for the best. And that's, that's can be detrimental to the, to the process. Yeah. And, and I've also heard, and, and I know this can be a little murky, but like they put numbers on the packages, like one or two or five, what does all that mean? Or does it mean anything? <sighs> it's, it's difficult. Um, what I have heard, and again, self-taught, um, ones and twos are the most recyclable plastics. And, and that's stamped somewhere that's on, on the That's on the little you know, three-arrow triangle recycle. Ones and twos are the most recyclable. The others can be recycled. Um, so if your garbage company, whatever, takes them, it says they do, then definitely put them in there. Um, but just know from, from the sustainability standpoint, those cannot be recycled in, indefinitely. Um, forever and ever. They've got a, a couple life cycles and then that material, those polymers fall apart and, and they're done. You can't recycle those anymore. So ma- going back to like making good choices, aluminum, um, glass, of course, those, those can be infinitely recycled. So that's going to stay in the system forever and ever. What about, uh, I mean, I'm going to pick on Chick-fil-A because we yeah. eat there all the time. I'm sure y'all do too. Yep. I mean, everybody does, Everyone right? does. <laughs> those styrofoam cups, they're everywhere. Like what, what do you do with those? Again, back, back to Publix, they, they have, and other stores as well, but bring them, they, they do have, uh, they become something new. So, so don't throw those in the trash for sure. So Publix, I mean, they're, they're on this, huh? They really are. If you did, and so is Kroger. I mean, if you, if you, you know, you don't have to go dig in because I know that's, because Jamie did it for you, but I do. (laughs) And I mean, Kroger is, is really making huge strides and marks in sustainability and food waste and all those things. Um, and Publix, you know, they have the set, I think there's four bins outside of every Publix. And if they, if you're near Chick-fil-A, you're probably near a Publix too. So as soon as you finish that drink, just 
empty it and go dump it in the public styrofoam bin. It's they really actually, easy. they load it back onto the same truck that brings groceries to the public store. I, I used to be a stock clerk, so I, I know this. <laughs> I've unloaded yeah. the trucks and, and you put those recyclables back onto the truck where it's brought to a facility to become something new. Uh, one important thing before we, we move on past this topic, don't bag your recyclables. So Jamie talks about going and, and seeing them being processed at the MRF and having them in a bag um, messes that whole process up. It clogs the system. So, so the idea of having two trash cans with bags, one for recyclables, one for regular waste, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because what are they doing with that bag? The, 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 your, your recyclables is in a bag that's not recyclable. Right. And then it gunks. If it, get, if it slides through and gets in these huge conveyor belts and then gets tied up in all this equipment and they have to stop the equipment, they have to get in there with their hands, it's dangerous. Um, but the, those bags are not recyclable. So again, they're in the wrong place to begin. Don't you think the majority of people are doing that? Yeah. And that goes back. It just goes back to education. And this is where it's just talk and talk and talk about it. Um, but yeah, most people, they think it's cleaner. Like, ew, I don't want to put I my, touch that. I know, I know I get it. Um, but yeah, I mean, once you get in the habit of it and then I will say it makes you better about rinsing out your recyclables before you throw them into your trash can that does not have a bag in it. <laughs> so you, and, and yeah. which you should be doing too. Okay. So I think the one thing that people can do is with the Amazon boxes. So I know you just mentioned it, but like give a 15 second instruction, either one of y'all or both to like my family that generates 10 Amazon boxes a day. Like what do I, what is your instruction? Do what? Um, Tear it down and put it in the, the recycle bin curbside yeah. or use it for something else. Right. If you, if you can use it again, use it again, but the boxes are, are all recyclable and I'm pretty sure every, um, trash company takes cardboard boxes. So Monday morning when they come and you got one for recyclable, one for, for regular, regular waste, as long as those Amazon boxes are, when we flatten them out, put them in there, that, that's, a, that's a good thing to be doing. You can, I don't even know if you have to do that, to be honest. Just, I mean, if you have other recyclables yeah, in, your, for, for in your box. Purposes. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's not a deal breaker at all. Um, now the plastic bags that we were talking about, again, those can go into a, um, a Publix bin or they can go back through that company TerraCycle. So back to the magnitude of this, Georgians throw away almost 2 million tons of paper and cardboard every year. So if each one of us stop doing that, recycle it, big impact. What about like the local um, schools or youth organization? I know that you've, Jamie, that you, you've, you've tried and, and you've made some, some inroads and successes, but like, are, are, are they doing a good job with this stuff or not really? room for improvement, I would say, um, to put it nicely. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not, uh, if I see a problem, I try to get in and help fix it. So I'm not trying to call it out and not do anything about it. And I've certainly worked with, um, our boys schools, my boys schools. Um, but that needs to be expanded for sure. Um, and this is where, again, I, I'm not out there doing anything crazy, but you can simply ask your kids, Hey, do y'all recycle in your school, in your classrooms? Tell me about lunch, what's happening in the cafeteria, um, just so you have an idea of what's going on. So I, I have worked for some of the schools. Um, I'll tell you, honestly, a, a, a hot button for me, I would say, is going to all of these um, sporting youth sporting events and not having an option there at all to recycle, especially when you're paying. It's like... Or you're gonna pay ten, but whatever it is, you know, to right, get in. Right, right. I mean, I know Eastside Baseball at Fuller's Park. You, you know, from the jump, 
you right. did a lot to try to to change their their habits and their ways and very successful but when we when we go play these travel ball tournaments wherever yeah you don't have the control over their facilities you don't um and i i do make phone calls and emails i don't get many many responses but that's okay i'll keep going um but yeah i think to be honest you know i don't want to get like negative but i really think it's unacceptable at this point in the stage um that we're at with knowing what we know to have a concession stand that sells all of these mostly plastic bottles and not have an option to recycle them Yes, uh, agreed. And I walk away from these games with handfuls so that I can yes. bring them to Same my house you. and recycle, which is absurd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah not... Well, well, well um, y'all, this is great, right? Thanks, Josh. I mean, yeah. we, I mean, we, we talked about what we want to talk about. I think it, 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 it educated me and very selfishly, like, that's my goal, right? I want to learn mm-hmm. more. Yes, I do too. Of course, I want the listeners, that, that's the product that we're trying to provide them, is, is a place to come to learn about things they otherwise wouldn't. Right. And there's all sorts of stuff going on in our backyard that are related to sports that, that people need to know about. So what do we miss? I mean, is there anything else that, that y'all want to take a moment and talk about? I mean, I feel pretty good about what we've hit, but is there something else that like, you know, just again, back to, you have so much power to influence these smart thermostats are, are very impactful. Um, turning off your car engine when you're not driving, don't idle. These little things really do add up. They do. I think that's, it's probably the biggest takeaway. And it's what I tell people. There's no, there's nothing too small. And I, I, I can't believe I can't remember this quote, but I have it in the signature of my email, but we don't need a million people doing zero waste perfectly. Like we need a million doing it, just doing it at all. Um, so whether it's, you mess up here and there, just making the effort to try. Um, and then another quote is, you know, it's not enough to just know about it. You got to take action on it. So I think those two things, coupling those together, um, there are easy things you can do. I am, I am, I will throw it out there that I am always here to be a resource. Um, you can find, you know, email me, text me, Facebook message, whatever, smoke signal. Um, I am always happy. Carrier pigeon. Whatever it is. Yeah. Give, give out y'all's contact information, place to reach you, your, your companies, people that want to get their glass picked up, people that might want to participate. Give a little bit about where they can find you. Yeah. So, uh, for, uh, mygreenearth.org is our website. We're on Facebook as well. And, and, uh, reach out happy to have a conversation or have you help in a, in a bigger way. Um, cheers to recycling is the company. Yes. Monthly glass pickup. So happy to help in that aspect. And then anything else, if you have questions about what's going on in your household and how you can do better, um, literally the, the line is open for, for me to talk about that anytime. Um, I, the company cheers recycling is on Facebook. You can find it on there. Um, and then you can, it's just cheers recycling at gmail.com. Awesome. Reach out. That's great. Well, thank you all so much, not only for coming here today and giving your time, but just what you're doing. I mean, you are one of the few people that are giving your time and dedicating it to help preserve this one planet that we have. We don't get another shot at it, right? Wow. So, thank you, thank honestly, y'all Josh. Thank you for, for um, seeing the importance in it and putting it on here. For thank sure. You. Thank you. For sure. Y'all's passion is infectious. Uh, you know, we've, we've been trying to change some of our habits. We're continuing to do so. Everybody that's listening, be more conscientious. You've heard some very easy things to do, so please go do it. Next time you're at the Falcons game or Lee United game, just stop, take a look around, and kind of notice what we talked about. I think it'll be impactful to kind of see it in action. And uh, as always, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for coming. Thank you. And I hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, as always, keep chopping.